0: I tell you, it's been eight days a week around here, and uh, the phone, I was on the phone all afternoon today, and uh, talking with people, and And uh, a lot of people need uh, need the help of the church. They really do. we we'll have be in 1 Peter chapter number 5, and I want to look at a few verses here. If you remember last Wednesday night, we were in uh, the book of Proverbs chapter number 11. We ended up in verse number 14. We'll go back there momentarily, but just let me introduce our thought tonight as I mentioned in closing last week that I wanted to start this week on the subject that we ended up on last week if you weren't here we'll review that momentarily Uh, the matter of leadership the matter of leadership now I did a series on leadership three years ago this is not that series and I went for about six weeks and talked about leadership in the church leadership in the home leadership in the nation leadership in the community, all those kind of things, because, hey, it, it's, it's, uh, it's Bible, it's Bible. And uh, I think that we need to be educated uh, not just on things that, you know, we, we love to talk about the second coming and all those kind of things, but we need to be educated in the very practical things that the Bible takes time to outline for you and me what God expects what God expects in leadership. And so that's kind of the, uh, uh, the premise from where we'll operate tonight and next Wednesday night maybe. I don't think I'll be here next Wednesday night. We'll be out of town. But then uh, in the upcoming Wednesday night prayer meeting services, I want to take about 15 or 20 or 30 minutes each of those services and try to teach us a few things in this, this matter of leadership. I think it's a great... Importance. Now I remember this from that previous series and, and uh, there's one thing that the Lord showed me that's kind of stuck with me for the last three years and we need to be mindful of this that as leaders someday somebody will take our place. You know every person in this building, somebody's going to take your place. Somebody's going to take the pianist's place, the song leader's place, Somebody's going to take the trustee's place. One day, the Lord is coming. Somebody's going to take the Sunday school teacher's place. Someday, Someone want to take my place. Some want to take my place. Now, don't read anything into what I'm saying tonight and in these following services. Don't, don't read anything into it. I'm just preaching to you what the Bible has to say on this matter of leadership. I became pastor here 41 years ago, August the 3rd of 1980. Most of you were not here. Now, we don't have all of our people here tonight. We have a handful of people that were here when I was voted in as pastor of Victory Baptist Church. Most people, most of our young people, most of our young couples that have been here all of their life, they have no clue what the process is, the proceedings are, if I were to drop dead tonight or if God were to change my ministry tonight, and he hasn't, and I haven't, but people don't have a clue of what to do. Do you? If, if, I, were to, if I were to say something like this tonight, um, I'm not going to make it through the night. You're going to have to start the process of looking, because everybody's going to take our, somebody's going to take your place, somebody's going to take my place, Lord Terry's coming. Now, don't read anything into this. I'm just giving you that as an example but I think that every church needs to have this conversation before those events take place. And here's the reason why. Because no, most people have no clue of what they would look for in a pastor. They don't. Some of your names are popping up in your mind right now. If I were to say this is, you know, this is... This, I had a man to call me many years ago, he called me on a Monday, he said, Pastor Ward, he said, I'm in the hospital up here in hay hire, I'm not going to make it through the night, could you come see me? Well, I just kind of dismissed it for a little while. Hey, this guy, he's talking, he's sitting up in the bed. And uh, so I, about 7 o'clock, I said, I better go check on him. And I did. And I got up there, when I got there, he was sitting there talking in the bed, family had gathered around the bed, we had conversation, had prayer together, and about 11.50 that night, he would be home with the Lord. Now, I, don't, I haven't had any premonition about anything along that line, but, just, but this is a conversation that churches, sadly, across America never have. That's why there are so many churches that change pastors every 15 to 18 months. That's why there are so many pastors that are in the ministry. Out of 50 people that are called into the ministry in five years, only five of them are still in the ministry are still in the ministry. I don't want to throw a bunch of statistics at you, but I want you to get, I want you to get the feel for this. What, what is, what, who would be in charge? I mean, uh, how, how, what, would, what would be the first step? What would be step number two? What would you look for? Now, I'm not gonna, we're not going to discuss all those kind of things tonight, but I think that it is a, it is a healthy discussion to have. Especially when you have a church that's had the same pastor for 41 years and you've got young people that have no clue what would take place if something were to happen to the pastor. To the pastor. All right. Now with that said, I want you to, I think i at least have your attention anyway. Anyway, I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't take things for granted, should we? Honestly, I mean, there's a, there's, there's things that we need to know about a man of God. Now, tonight, I want to deal with the subject of leadership in the church. Not just the pastor, but leadership in the church. Leadership in the church. I, I know you'd like for me to talk about leadership in Washington, but, but I think there's something that's equally or greater of importance than what's going on in Washington, and it's what's happening in churches all across America. we got to have leadership in our churches Our churches are fragile and they're frail and they're falling to pieces one by one by one by one by one, and more than I've ever seen in my entire ministry. Everyone needs to understand this. Everyone needs to listen. Everyone needs to understand that the leadership in the church should be. People know what they want in a spouse. What do you look for in a spouse? You young people, you, you might think about, well, you know, this, well, what do you want in a pastor? You know, it's not necessarily what do you want, but what do you need? It's not necessarily, you know, what, you know, it's, it's not like pulling a, 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 a rabbit out of a hat. It's not some kind of magical thing. What, what does the Bible have to say? We're, I'm not looking at calling. I'm not looking at qualifications tonight, but we are. Do you know that there are qualifications that are given, Brother Montgomery shaking his head, there are qualifications in the Bible that are given in regard to the person that stands where I'm standing tonight. And they're being disregarded all across the nation. Not just everybody can be the pastor. There There are specific qualifications. There are qualifications for leadership in the church. And somebody said, Well, you know, times have changed. And things have changed. I'm telling you, there's some things haven't changed. The things that were in place 41 years ago when I was examined to be the pastor of this church, when I answered detailed questions about my life and my my and and we're gonna talk about some of those things. Those things haven't changed in 41 years. I believe that a man must be called. I believe that a man must be qualified and a man must be sent by God. The most important thing, and I'm getting way, way, way ahead of myself, but churches need to know this. I need to take time to write a book when, when I'm, before I I'm, go, my, my, go, go to meet my reward. There's some things that, that you learn along the way. And you need to be able to pass those things along. Churches need to know about leadership. Now, I've used up a lot of my time already. I'm looking through a very blurry left eye tonight. I've got an infection in my left eye, and that's my good reading eye. So I'm not going to read a lot of verses tonight. We'll look at two or three of them momentarily. But just imagine that we read... Uh, chapter number 5, verse 1 through verse number 12. Just imagine that we've already read that tonight. Let's move on and uh, then we'll look at two or three things tonight. And so I want to think about this matter of leadership in the church. Now, as, uh, we, uh, as we looked at a, a couple of things uh, last week, look with me. In Proverbs chapter number 11, I have to find my place. We should have it on the screen. Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. Let me give you this. I'm going to really go fast tonight, all right? Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. And I gave you the biblical definitions of a counselor. They take advice, they give advice. They meditate. I don't have that list with me or I could give it to you again. The counsel, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There's three things that we learn from that verse. Number one, the person of leadership. It is the counselors. I don't have, I can't define that for you again tonight. I don't have it and record it in my memory. But the person of leadership is a counselor. He's somebody that is studied. He's somebody that meditates. He's somebody that seeks counsel. He seeks guidance. And that's what we need in leadership today. No one person knows everything. You'd be surprised how how, how much time I spend in counseling other pastors and how much time I get in being counseled by other pastors and preachers. Number two, the purpose of leadership is the people. The people—that's what it said. That's that's who leaders should be interested in. There should—and you'll see it in our verses. Not when we look at them. This is the 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 ministry is about the people. It's not about that person. It's about the people. And as long as you can keep the ministry about God's people, you can get something done. Then the third thing. Is the plan of leadership is safety. Now that's what the verse said. Can you put it back up, Jonathan? Do we have it? Where no counsel is, the people. Counselor, people. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That safety has to do with being saved and that safety has to do with deliverance and and God's always been interested in the safety and the welfare of His people. He was when they were over in bondage in the land of Egypt. God was concerned about their safety there and He delivered them out of that land. And so we see those three things. Now, there's a lot of specific positions of leadership in the ministry. Uh, I don't have these for you, but I just jotted down a few leaders in the church: apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and even priests. Now we're the priest, and uh, we're God has made us to be both kings and priests. So we're 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 our own priest. You don't need a priest. And uh, but then there's others, there's song leaders and worship leaders and finance committees and praise teams and, and the list goes on and on and on the people that we would consider to be leaders in the church. But I wanna I wanna look at I wanna look at in, at it in this respect tonight, if I could. And um, in our text tonight, there's some things that we learn. There's some things that we learn uh, in our text, and uh, here they are. I wanna. I want to think about the leadership offices, the positions of a leader. And, um, and I, w- I want to look at one tonight, and I think that in some regard that any, whatever you want to call the pastor, I-, I think that the qualifications of the pastors found clearly in 1 Corinthians, I mean 1 Timothy chapter number 4, he that desireth the office of a bishop, Uh, desireth the good work, and then those qualifications. I think there's 19 of them there, and only two of them have to deal with his spiritual condition. 17 of them deal with his character, his integrity, who he is in the community, who he is in his family. You mean all that matters? might not matter to you, but it matters to God. It matters to God, or he wouldn't have put it in the book. And so we're going to look at all those qualifications. And the deacon, by the way, the deacon's in the same boat. If you were to hold the average deacon in the average Baptist church, in the average city in America, if you were to hold them to biblical qualifications, a huge percentage of them, along with a huge percentage of preachers, would be disqualified at the moment that you read that text. Sure. Normally deacons are selected because they're community leaders. And so now, you know, they, they're leaders in the church. God wasn't looking for a community leader when he ordained deacons. They, God wasn't looking for men of wealth and men of fame and, and uh, you know, people who could, uh, and, uh, you know, and we're going to look at that. We're going to look at it a little later. We're not going to look at it tonight, but we're going to look at it a little bit later. And so here's, here's the four words that I want to identify with tonight out of our text. The first one is the pastor. The pastor. He is the shepherd of the ministry. Sure. I think that that better, best defines who the pastor is. I think if you look at it Old Testament, New Testament, if you look at it in, uh, in, in the uh, uh, modern day that you and I are living in, if we, if we were to look at it that way, I think that, that that well defines a pastor, the shepherd of the ministry. Number two, the elders. We find them mentioned in our text tonight, the elders. That, that is the maturity of ministry. Can I say this? It's all about the ministry. It's not about the pastor, it's not about the elder, it's about the ministry. The pastor is the shepherd of the ministry. The elders are the maturity of the ministry. And you even see it. He even identifies between the younger and the elder in the church in our text. I ought to make somebody read it. The maturity of ministry. And then there's another word that's used. I used it a few moments ago. That's the word bishop. The word bishop, that is responsibility of ministry. Responsibility of ministry. And then finally, deacons. That is servant of ministry. Hello? That's the office of a deacon. They are servants. And we'll see that, we'll see that. And so those four offices of leadership in the local church, the pastor, the shepherd of the ministry, the elders, the maturity, of the, and I thank God for older, wiser men. I was almost 30 years old when I became the pastor of Victory Baptist Church. I was, the next month, I was voted in in August and I turned 30 years old in September. And I had some. I had some men. They're home with the Lord. Every single one of them now. They're home with the Lord. And I could call out names of men that took took me as their pastor. And uh, they they because of their maturity, because they had been around. They had been. I had one man that had read through the Bible seventy two times. How'd you like to be his Sunday school teacher? He's. Almost 70 years old, and I'm not even 30 years old, and I'm his Sunday school teacher. Every once in a while, one of those dear men would come to me and say, Brother Ward, you, you know, I love you, and, but you might want right, to, in the right spirit, in the right way, they said, You might want to think this over. You might want, you know why? Because they were mature. I was still a novice. There's a difference in elders and youngers. And so we see these four. Aside from calling, aside from our sending, aside from our qualifications. Now here's three things, and now we'll be done in just a moment. Verse number one, look in verse number one. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Listen now. This is where it all starts. And also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Here's point number one. You want to be a pastor? You want to be an elder? You can't be an elder until you mature. A bishop? You want to be a deacon? Number one, there must be a personal experience with A personal experience with God. I remember <clears throat> that Sunday morning when I came, I came in as a candidate. I was number thirteen on the list. The church had been without a pastor for a pretty good while. I was number thirteen. I remember that Sunday morning when I came in and, and they took the part of the Sunday school hour for a question and answer time. They set me up in front of the church and they brought up different scenarios and what would you do here? And they asked. I remember they asked me, you know, you've Been involved in the bus ministry. We're going to have a bus ministry. They said, you've been involved in Christian education. We're going to have a Christian school. Ask me all these questions about, you know, my thinking down the road. And uh, I remember all of that. And then they said, somebody said, would you give us your personal testimony? I think that's important. I think that, that it all begins with a personal experience with God. I made this list and I, I'm gonna go over, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach on this one a little bit, but and I didn't even mean to bring it, but I accidentally put it in my Bible. That's what God is interested in, your personal experience with Him. That's what everybody should be interested in when it comes to leadership in the church, the deacons in the church, and the elders in the church and so on and so forth, and the pastors and, and evangelists and all those, we need to, the, the main focus should be what God is focused on and your personal experience with God. And I had the pleasure of giving my testimony when I got born again. But they said, that ain't enough. We want to know about your calling. Tell us what happened. And I had the privilege to just stand there and tell them as a church family, about that Saturday in June of 1976, four years after I'd been saved, that God had been dealing with my heart, and I told them the story about getting on that altar in that old building on a Saturday afternoon and not getting up until I had it settled with God, what He wanted me to do. Your personal experience with God. I made this up, uh, and, and here's the reason why. Here's, here's the reason you, and, and we don't have this in our, in, our, in, our te- in our outline tonight. Here's the reason why, verse number eight. Here's the reason why you gotta have a personal experience with God. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know what? The devil is after every elder, every pastor, Every deacon, every bishop, every evangelist, every missionary. And you won't make it if you don't have a personal. This is not an occupation. It is not a vocation. It is not a business proposition. The devil is out to kiss and so the personal experience with God is the first thing that he mentioned he said hey you leaders in the church he said I'm a leader in the church you elders in the church I'm an elder in the church he said I know about the sufferings of Christ the witnessing of the sufferings of Christ and here's here's one thing lest I miss miss it a little bit later you got to go through some rough times in the ministry you know, some of, the, some of the children's homes that you and I know, and I won't call any name because we're live stream, but some of the preachers that you know, some of the children's homes that you know are there because some pastor, I know of at least four children's homes that were started because the pastor's son or daughter died or was killed in an accident. There's sufferings along the way. You've got to have a a few little bumps and hard knocks along the way. You've got to be roughed up a little bit along the way because it's not an easy job. I'm preaching to preachers tonight. I'm preaching to young preachers tonight. I'm preaching to God's people tonight about the importance of leadership and their positions. Number one, the personal experience. I wrote this down, and then I made a long list of names that I won't call tonight, but I, wrote, I, could, I could tell you about a missionary man and the suffering that he went through. Most of the songs that you and I enjoy so much were written during hardships. Many many of the great men that you and I know, you know, you know the great D.L. Moody, he, he, was, he was brought to fame. He, he pastored and did evangelistic work in Chicago, just around the time of the Great Chicago Fire, and one of the things that really—I almost use the word "burned" in his heart. I, I don't want to use that, that. But but one of the things that really made him the evangelist that he became is because people that had sat under the sound of his voice in his crusades died in the Great Fire in Chicago. Hundreds of them died that he had preached to, and he never got over it. I can tell you pastors, preachers, evangelists, that they've had their hardships. And so number one, and and here experience is gained at great expense. Experience is gained at great expense. Number two, Verse number 2 and verse number 3 said, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And uh, verse 2 and verse number 3, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being samples to the flock. The word ensample is a little bit different than the word example. An example is something that maybe you heard about, and, and it's it's kind of like a, uh, it's cl- kind of like an analogy. You give I just gave DL Moody's. That's an example, but an insample is one that you lived, and uh, in 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 the full etymology of the word, you still got the scars to show what you went through. That's an in sample. Being an in sample too. The flock. Concern for God's people. That's what you that's what you need in church leadership. That's what you need in church leadership. If you want to be a church leader, you've got to have an experience with God. Number two, you must be concerned about God's people. Here's the third and last one, number, verse number four. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And we could read on, but here's point number three. Point number one, a personal experience with God. Point number two, a concern for God's people. Point number three, a desire to please God. A desire to please God. He uses, through the rest of the chapter, he uses eight words that begin with an S, a perfectly natural, alliterated outline if you're into those kind of things. In verse number five, he said, you must submit. Look at verse number five. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. You want to be a leader? Then follow the leader. That's what he said. That's the ward version of it. If you want to be a leader, then follow the leader. Notice he said, And so submit yourselves unto the elder. All of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Down in verse number 8, if we could please. There's two words that start with S, submit and subject. These need to be written in your mind if you want to be a church leader. In um, in verse number eight, he said, "Be sober. <laughs> be sober. Just be sober. So- sobriety has nothing to do with being intoxicated. But have have a when you're when you're under the influence of alcohol, you." You make poor decisions. You do stupid things. But when you're sober, you're clear-headed, and you're mindful, and you're thoughtful, and you're, you're very deliberate in your decisions. I know people, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get this whether it's an asset or a fault. I don't know. But I'm never quick to make a decision. I don't know how many things, I I was talking to a pastor a few weeks ago, and and at length I talked to him about a a situation that he was facing, and I said, just wait seven days. Pray about it seven days. I do that a lot of times. I tell people, just put it on the back burner for seven days. You don't have to, when, when you're sober, you can do that. called me back in about 10 days and he said that was the best advice I've ever had in my life. He said if I would have dealt with what I wanted to do I would have blown my church apart. Now sometimes they may need it but in that case it didn't need it. It didn't need it. The word is sober in verse number eight. There's four words in verse number 10. He said but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, or establish, strengthen, and settle you. And then the last one is found in verse number 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brethren to you, as I suppose. I have written briefly Exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein ye stand. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to take a stand. And so you submit, you subject, you're sober, you suffer, you're established, you're strengthened, you're settled, and you take a stand. That's the introduction to. Leadership in the church. Leadership in the church. I I wrote these down a long time, a long time ago. I don't even know. This is on very old church stationery. It's black and white. (laughs) I think. Here's what God's looking for. Here's what God's looking for in a man. It's character, not charisma. Hello? Character, not charisma. But past award, times have changed. Some things happen. That might be what the world's looking for. That might be what you'd be interested in. But God's interested in character, not charisma. God's interested in spirit, not style. We'll give all these to you a little later. Spirit, not style. God's interested in the heart, not the head. He's interested in your faith, not your fame. I must have wrote these written these down 30 years ago. He's interested in your power, not your performance. He's interested in your fruit, not your fortune. He's interested in your integrity, not your ingenious. He's interested in your work, not your wishes. He's interested in your labor, not your laziness. God is interested in your joy, not your jesting. But you know, our old preacher, he's just the funniest thing in the world. That's okay. And we're, you know, I, I like humor. I wished I was, maybe I wished I, I, you know, I wished I wasn't so serious sometimes. Just take a break from it sometimes. But he's interested in your joy, not your jesting. It's your testimony, not your talent. It's your message, not your method. And they go on and on and on. I'll skip a few of them. He's interested in your conformity to him, not your compromise with them. Hello? He's looking for a man that's on fire, not methods on file. He's looking for your doctrine, not your demonstration. He's interested in the scripture, not your schemes. So what does a leader look like? Well, I wished I fit all those. I really do. I mean, that's a high. I've given a high standard tonight, far above anyone we could imagine. In saying that, God's men aren't perfect. They are not perfect. So what of, so what of leadership in the church? Here's a, here's a main and final thing. The, the only thing of essence is God's will. God's will. That's all that matters is God's will. One day, one day, somebody will take your place. It's a conversation that needs to be taken care of in churches. It's a sad thing. You, I, you just don't know some of the situations that that are going on across our land. Our churches are paralyzed, and a lot of them because they don't have the right leaders in place. I'm just telling you. There must be qualifications, and I believe man ought to be held to those. Oh, but you know, that all happened, you know, We have women pastors in churches. What's the Bible say about that? Boy, you're quiet now. Leadership in the church. If our churches survive, they got to have strong leadership, men maturity are people of maturity. I know I put a lot of focus on men. People of responsibility. People of maturity. People with a servant's heart. That's what God's looking for. And shouldn't we? Why do we want to look beyond, around, beside, under, over? What God is looking for. He's got it right here in the book. (laughs) All right, well, I can tell we've had a lot of fun tonight. I like it. I really do. It's, it's something that, uh, that we really need to study. Would you stand with us for prayer? So many do we need to pray for. Come tonight. The altars are open. Thank you for your time. I hope you made some notes. I hope we can learn something through this little series, that God has really burned into my heart. God has really burned into my heart. Our fathers, we come to you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to stand and break open this precious book. Lord, to look at, some things that you've given us that oftentimes are just taken for granted or ignored in church congregations. Lord, we want to have your power. We want you to be present. Lord, we want you to have your hand on our ministry. Help us to walk in such a way that you would be pleased. Help us to be good shepherds. Help us to be mature and responsible. Serving. Give us leaders, Father, and throughout our church families. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. While these are praying tonight, we invite you to come.